Welcome to Base Space. A crypto podcast. Base Space. Jeremy, uh, it was a pleasure to meet you at, at East Denver. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for, for taking the time to come out and, and speak to us today. Uh, for those new joining us right now, um, welcome to the Base Space. This is a show hosted by myself, the Crypto Mewtwo. You also have Chase Coins and Super High as well. And we focus on creating opportunities for growth, networking, and education in the crypto industry. Today, we have the honor of having Jeremy, Head of Growth at Balancer Labs. Welcome to the show, Jeremy. We're pumped to have you. Thanks. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's kind of tradition here on the show, Jeremy. We always ask new guests when they come on um, how they how they got into crypto. We'd love to hear your story. Sure. Um, before I before I do, I I just feel like I need to acknowledge um, you know all, all the uh, people who are suffering in Ukraine, and um, yeah, definitely. Um, on my mind a lot and, and, uh, in my thoughts and, and on my heart. So it's, um, it's kind of hard sometimes to, you know, uh, focus and, and to, you know, be present in this conversation, knowing that, um, there are a lot of people out there who are in just like a nightmare situation. So, um, just wanted to, yeah, acknowledge, um, everyone in Ukraine and, and said my, my best to them. Um, but to answer your question, I first got into Bitcoin in 2012. Uh, that's when I first read about it and um, was immediately just very curious um, and, and started diving into the rabbit hole. Um, I guess it's a testament to like how crazy or irrational of a person I am because most people that I've heard from or talked to when they first came across it they um, were very skeptical but I I pretty much dove headfirst and was like very enthusiastic uh, right away um, and I yeah, at that time, I was building my first startup, which was uh, the consumer tech uh, web two company in the advertising technology space. And um, crypto became a uh, side passion that I would spend some free time on um, on a regular basis. I would try to convince people who I thought were really smart um, that Bitcoin um, was the future and, and that, you know, they should be paying attention to it. And um, they all thought that it was a scam and that it was never going to work, um, which initially was a, a little bit of a, a little bit discouraging to me because I was very young at that time and very new in my career. And I feel like I didn't, um, fully have the like self-confidence at that point yet to be like, you know, everyone's wrong, like, fuck you. Um, so it kind of made me pause and question it for a little bit, but 
not for too long. Um, I eventually just decided that like I, I was willing to disagree with everyone and, um, you know, do my, do my thing um, as far as Bitcoin um, and the crypto ecosystem as well. It was just Bitcoin at that time. And then um, soon became very interested in Ethereum. Um, I think it was around the time that the yellow paper first was published um, pre pre launch, pre ICO um, was just lucky enough that somehow it kind of came across my radar because none of my friends, like literally zero of my friends at that time were into this stuff. Um, it was kind of like my own secret world, basically. Like first I tried, first I was trying to sort of be this evangelist. I was very excited about it. And I was kind of trying to convince people about it. But, you know, after a couple of years of like literally no one giving a shit, I, I guess I, uh, just kind of stopped uh, trying and just kept it to myself and, you know, just thought like, eventually they'll, they'll see. So um, I was like that guy in the, in the meme at the party. Uh, I love that meme, uh, the guy in the corner. So anyway, um, yeah, you know, I was, I was very much focused on like my full-time work Um building my first startup. And then after that, I uh, started another um, startup in the like digital wellness space. It was a, like a digital coaching app. And um, after exiting that company, which was 2018, that's when I felt like I was finally ready to go full-time into crypto, which was a, just a dream of mine. Uh, something that I always, um, I didn't, I didn't know when that could actually happen. And, and um, in hindsight, I, I definitely could have done that earlier. And I have a lot of, a lot of respect for people who like completely went all in, in terms of like spending all of their time on crypto, like in the very early days. So definitely a lot of respect for, for people who made that decision. But for me, it was, yeah, it was a side thing for the first like six years. Yeah, six years. And then um, uh, in 2018, I um, started Immutable Capital, which is my personal, uh, my own like crypto investment fund. And then uh, in 2020, I joined uh, Balancer Labs because I just couldn't resist the itch to get hands on in the space beyond just like investing and doing research and I was consulting, speaking, investing, and um, I felt like I needed to be a part of building this this uh, industry and and this um, and the future of crypto. So um, when I first learned about Balancer, it was a very deeply mind blowing moment, and uh, at that point, I just felt like I had to. Like this was, this was the thing that I needed to get involved with. So I got in touch with the team, which was very small at that time, uh, just a bunch of engineers and managed to eventually convince them that they needed someone of my talents, which was kind of like um, this dev marketing um, communications, just basically like 
a, a non-technical generalist was my role initially. So I'll stop there for now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's definitely a lot of lots unpacked there. I, uh, I think we all kind of resonate, like, uh, relate to what you were saying about kind of feeling like separated from like normal society. I think that's something that that I uh, feel like on a on a daily basis. I, I think myself, I've gone through like that journey of like trying to show people or educate people on on crypto or different projects that I was super passionate about and. At the end of the day, I just, I kind of stopped uh, at this point, like unless someone asks me about it, like unless they personally know that I'm involved in the space and, and so forth, it's, it's pretty hard. Uh, a lot of people I think are kind of have this closed minded mentality. So um, it's very difficult to, to even get people to, you know, go onto an exchange and purchase like five bucks of Bitcoin, you know, uh, and just like start start getting involved or even to watch like, uh, you know, five minute video uh, about something. I think social media has kind of tainted uh, people's attention spans and it's much harder now uh, to, to even to get people to, to gravitate. So I, I applaud you for sticking it through and, you know, continuing to, to push forward in your vision. And uh, yeah, that's very, very uh, commendable. Thanks. Yeah. In, in hindsight, um when everyone disagrees with you and you feel really strong conviction towards something, that's when you know that you have an opportunity for very asymmetric um, returns or, or like a really asymmetric bet. Um, because that's, those are the con required conditions for, you know, one of those, you know, once in a generation opportunities to, to happen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's pretty much been going on this this whole time. You know, whether it's whether it's through like DeFi summer, you know, even NFTs. People people didn't believe that they had, you know, any sort of value or would take off the way that they did. And yeah, I think I think there'll be loads of opportunity. We're so early in the space to kind of identify those those uh, uh, what, new functionality, new new use cases, new new up and coming protocols that are going to be rock stars in the space and drive this ecosystem, you know, for it as a whole. So I'm, I'm pumped to see like even just the next year of development, what, what that's going to look like. Definitely. Um, I'm also like, you kind of touched on a little bit, but I'm super curious, like what is, what is the role of like head of growth even, even do at, at balancer at balancer labs? Like what is, what is your like every day, like really entail? Yeah, it's definitely kind of a vague title, but, um, and, and my work has evolved several times from the beginning till now. Um, as I mentioned, like when I first started, um, I was kind of just like trying to do everything that I felt was, was important to be done that wasn't engineering related because uh, I was the only like non-engineer on the team. So that meant sort of um, getting some marketing off the ground, um, you know, advocating for sort of the need for better design and UX, um, 
strengthening our like biz dev partnership efforts, um, getting involved in, in like public awareness, you know, giving talks and like helping people understand um, what balancer is and, and how they could use it and you know why it's um, yeah, why it's useful. Um, and fortunately over time, our team has grown a lot and I've been able to allow other people who are better than me at those things, um, handle them. Like we have an amazing marketing team. We have an amazing design team. Um, you know, we have a great like PR team and, um, you know, I've helped build out like a really great partnerships team. So I was for a while really focusing in a lot on uh, biz dev and partnerships. And um, that, that was kind of the role that I evolved into. But now I'm kind of shifting again. Uh, um, now that, you know, we've really built like a all-star team that is um, doing partnerships both within Balancer Labs and within the Balancer DAO. Uh, I'm spending most of my time now on more high-level strategy and, um, yeah, helping to manage the, the direction of the team and, uh, and, and working on some uh, pretty exciting initiatives, both, like, in the community and within Balancer Labs. And um, I'll be able to share a lot more in the near future but um for now it's yeah still still in the works yeah i think it's uh it's pretty cool like you you've done so much like whether it's marketing ux you said you built out the whole partnership side of the balancer business like <laughs> that's a lot of different a lot of different hats to wear uh I'm kind of I'm kind of curious, like what has been like your biggest learning or or takeaway, like working at Balancer and and f- kind of filling all these different you know roles and shoes that you've been in. Hmm. Good question. Um, I have definitely learned a ton um, because this whole this whole experience has been like such a like just being on a rocket ship and. Um, being surrounded by like such insanely smart people um, like on our team, but also being involved in partnerships. I've interacted with so many other teams in DeFi, which has been like really a blessing because, you know, it's, you just get to connect with such incredible people. And like, I'm just, I've just been like, mind blown so many times by like what people have come up with and, and like the systems that they've built. I'm just like, how the hell did you do this? You know? Um, so I don't, it's hard to come up with like the biggest learning. I've definitely just, I'll, I'll, t- I'll try to like think about areas where I've really improved my knowledge. Um, I think that I, I've definitely learned a lot about um, 
what have I learned? I've lost. <laughs> I, 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 I like lost my train of thought. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's kind of a, it's kind of a tough question. Like if you haven't uh, reflected, right? A lot of I don't. I think this industry is moving so fast and and so quickly. Uh, a lot of people uh, that, that we ask, like they, they haven't even taken the time to like reflect on everything that they've done and and accomplished. That's a good point. I think we're running at full speed so much that um, sometimes we forget to like stop and reflect, but stopping and reflecting is very important. I've definitely learned a lot about how to like build and manage a team. And, um, you know, I, I think that I was pretty good at, at like finding talent and evaluating, you know, people's strengths um, and skill sets, but I think I've gotten um, a lot better at that. Um, I think I've learned to be a better leader. Uh, I think like just really all around, like so many of my skills have gotten sharper. Um, it's been a year and a half. Like it's not a long time in, in human terms, but in DeFi terms, it's like a good seven years. So um, yeah, it, it's been an opportunity to like really grow um professionally and also just like really enjoy working on things that I'm very passionate about. Um, you know, one of the things that really excited me, one of the many things that, that really excited me about um, joining this project was like, ever since I first learned the, the concept of a DAO, I'm not sure when that was maybe 2016 that that started floating around 15, 16. Um, but ever since I learned that concept, I, it just was a dream of mine to like, you know, help build one and help and like actually be part of one and being, be involved in that. So um, one of the things that has been really, really cool is um, that I've had this opportunity to um, spend some of my energy on, you know, bringing forward initiatives um, to kind of expand and strengthen the balancer DAO. And um, yeah, for example, like one of the things that I got off the ground was um, our first like sub DAO, um, which is the balancer grants committee. Um, it's like a committee slash sub DAO, which is, uh, completely made up of um, community members who, um, you know, organize, self-organize as a team, you know, people who are, have the expertise and passion for, um, you know, helping to support like an ecosystem of projects that are building on and around Balancer and giving them, you know, for, for the community and, and putting them in a position where, they were able to make a proposal to the community and be approved and, and authorized to um, deploy funds from the uh, Balancer Ecosystem Fund and to evaluate uh, grant projects um, and work directly with those teams and, and help them grow. Like, yeah, doing things like that um, also uh, helped to establish the um, partnership sub-DAO and yeah, now we have a whole whole bunch of sub DAOs and a balancer DAO, and and that's just growing. So all of this is is um, 
has been just really amazing for me. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. I love, I love all how you've built out so many areas of balancer and obviously you're, you're a key team member, key team team member, um, and contributing a lot to the ecosystem. So yeah, that's, that's super cool. Yeah. I'd say like, um, another thing that I've learned a lot about is like developing, uh, skills around taking really complex concepts and trying to explain them in the clearest way possible that can be like accessible and digestible by, you know, wide audience. Um, I, I've always found that balancer is one of the more complicated protocols out there and something that people, a lot of people may not grasp right away. Um, and there are a lot of ways that you can explain it to people, you know, if you can, you can give them kind of like the hardcore technical explanation. And if, and if they're like a DeFi degen or, or a developer, they, they might get that, but you know, everybody else would just be probably lost. So, you know, I've been, um, it's been a great challenge to try to solve that puzzle. And, and that has definitely um, been a great learning for me. Hey, Jeremy, <clears throat> moving more over to like the uh, just balancer as a protocol. Um, for those listening that may be new to crypto, whether it's on Spotify or YouTube, could you explain what the balancer protocol is and the purpose of the BAL token? Sure. So the balancer protocol, I would describe as mainly two things. Um, one is it's an automated market maker. Um and in DeFi, we have seen this primitive of AMMs used for uh, the, the, the use case of a decentralized exchange, which Balancer is. But that's sort of one um, way that Balancer, um, that's one of the emergent properties of, of Balancer's design. In general, what we see in, in AMMs and DeFi is that they're utilized by uh, projects or, or traders or investors to build liquidity around tokens so that traders can easily access that liquidity. And there's a healthy market um, for uh, tokens, whether they be yeah, DeFi governance tokens or um, yeah, layer one protocols or, or any other kind of token. And Balancer is used that way. But I think that Balancer's design as an AMM is um, really unique and that really sets it apart in ways that I think will become more and more apparent um, as time goes on and, and as the space and the project further matures. Uh, so to explain that, first of all, traders are not the only uh, entities in DeFi that need access to liquidity. Um, there's this whole other area which uh, is even bigger, and that is uh, protocols and applications, which also need access to liquidity. And when you design an AMM to be fully flexible and customizable, which is which is how Balancer is designed. Um, 
any AMM is, is essentially comprised of liquidity pools. But liquidity pools on balance are different because you can deploy a pool with um, uh, many different types of configurations in terms of the parameters of the pool. That means it can contain many assets. Uh, today, you can deploy a pool containing anywhere between two and 40 assets in one liquidity pool. The weights of the, the distrib distribution of weights uh, between the tokens in a pool is customizable. The swap fees for the pool are customizable. And not only are they customizable, but they can also be um, yeah, delegated to um, some external fee setting process, whether that be like a DAO-based community vote or some algorithmic um, yeah, fee optimization type of system. And I mean, I can go on for a good hour just on how, on, on how um, yeah, pools can be customized. But uh, the point here is that this design, which is really different from every other AMM, uh, makes it so balancer pools are can be utilized as this essential infrastructural layer throughout DeFi for many different use cases. E you know, each tweak that you make to the configurations of a liquidity pool can thus lead to the emergence of a different use case. And um, so the flexible access to liquidity that Balancer enables is a dream for developers in DeFi because they can uh, take these pools, you can develop, uh, develop a pool and um, essentially plug that into your application in the way that you need. So yes, Chase, what, uh, please ask your question. Oh, no, no worries. Um, I was just kind of holding up as a placeholder, but you're, you're really kind of touch on the question I was going to ask. You had really kind of hinted at it already that, you know, Balancer is a pretty complex protocol. Um, I was just going to see if you could kind of dive in from like the user perspective, like who are the various users that would use this protocol from as you're touching on the back end dev side and then also just from like the front end as an individual user, I'm new to DeFi, like how would I interact with this protocol? Yeah, Balancer really um, focuses first and foremost on being a platform for developers. And so the primary audience that we really connect with, um, you know, I, I don't want to say that it's the only audience, but largely, you know, our, our growth strategy and, and like the way Balancer relates to the DeFi ecosystem is um, by being this, this tool for developers to build flexible liquidity pools to um, help power their um, protocols and applications. And um, at the same time, um, Balancer uh, is also a DEX. So uh, it's used by traders every day and it's used by liquidity providers. Uh, traders use Balancer to uh, exchange any ERC-20 token for any other. And um, liquidity providers are investors who deposit their assets into Balancer liquidity pools to earn a yield passively. Um, you, uh, there are many different liquidity pools on Balancer. And you know when you go to balancer.fi, 
um, or app.balancer.fi to be exact, and, and you see sort of the list of uh, liquidity pools there, you can see what kind of um, yield percentage each pool is um, providing. And um, yeah, use that as an opportunity basically to earn interest, uh, so to speak, on, uh, it's, it's not interest per se, because this is not a borrow lend, but just as a sort of simplifying the concept, it's like putting um, assets to work uh, and and multiple and increasing your uh, position. Yeah, uh, Jeremy, I also noticed that like some of the the pools have this like Oracle functionality to them. Could you could you explain like what what that is and like what's the advantage of of that functionality in the pools? Yeah, so I'm not an Oracle expert, so I'll kind of keep it. Um, Kind of high level and simple, but essentially balancer pools can serve as a as a price oracle um, and provide a uh, time weighted price for trading pairs. Uh, so yeah, that can be used as an oracle in DeFi, and um, that's something that yeah de developers have definitely found um, useful. Hey, uh, Jeremy, at a high level, can you explain what the vault is and how it plays a part of the balancer ecosystem? For sure. Yeah, the vault is a is a really cool um, feature and, and really like the foundation of what balancer V2 is. So first off, um, in balancer V1, we had this architecture where uh, every liquidity pool on balancer was contained within its own smart contract address. And what the, I take zero credit for this whatsoever, but what the team uh, realized was that if this, uh, if this could be redesigned as one vault, which is basically one big smart contract, which contains every liquidity pool so that all of the tokens that are held in all of the various liquidity pools on Balancer are actually in this one vault. The efficiency of this system um, increases exponentially. So, um, and it also enables some very interesting features. So anytime there are transactions made on, um, like trades made on Balancer, including trades that involve multiple pools or multiple hops. So like if I'm trading, um, yeah, ETH for Val, and um, let's say for example, that there wasn't um, a lot of liquidity between ETH and Val. I mean, it just so happens that there is, but um, the smart order router or SOR on balancer might, um, would, would route the most efficient path across pools to fulfill your trade. So let's say that's from ETH to DAI to BAL because there's a lot of liquidity between ETH and DAI and there's a lot of liquidity between DAI and BAL. Uh, there could be a two hop uh, trade, but both of those hops are actually just happening within the vault um, as opposed to uh, jumping across like multiple um, smart contracts. So 
the efficiency of that is is really great. Um, and for developers, working with the vault is um, also beneficial uh, because they can access sort of all the all the tokens that are in the vault. That uh, the the smart order uh, routing is a really interesting concept. I'm curious, like in the future, um, assuming you know we we do arrive in a cross chain multi chain future, which I, I think is pretty likely, it, will that also kind of extend outside um, ethl one? Will you guys kind of be aggregating and using cross chain services to support a multi chain ecosystem? Yeah, I can definitely see that happening. Um, I think that what's really needed for that future to be realized is really like secure, reliable uh, bridging and um, balancer is first and foremost focused on security. Security is everything at balancer. And so, you know, when we feel that there are, and I'm like, I don't even want to say we, because it's not me, uh, but, when the like Balancer Labs uh, development team and when the Balancer DAO reaches a point of you know, thinking that that infrastructure is sufficiently secure and reliable, then that's something that uh, we could potentially see. I know you just mentioned security, Jeremy. Um, <clears throat> my follow-up question on the vault was actually going to be, could you elaborate on like th the strength of the security of the vault since all the liquidity um pools are in one smart contract yeah so i think that's a a natural question that that was also um a question that i had back when we were uh, first designing balancer v2 which is if uh you know if, if all the tokens are in one vault is that more of a of a security concern well i think the most direct way that I could address that is that um, uh, Balancer has for a long time running, um, you know, I haven't, I don't know if, if anyone else has put out a, a bigger one, but I believe we still have the biggest bug bounty in the industry, which has been out there since May 2020, um, coming on, on a year now, which is 1000 ETH for anyone who can find a vulnerability in the vault and uh, they haven't so far. So um, the security of the vault has proven to be um, quite strong. Yeah. I remember ETH Denver, um, one of the members of your team was speaking and he had mentioned the bug bounty. So definitely anyone listening, go participate in that. Uh, you know, to help balance it out if you think you can crack it. Definitely. So um, my next question, I, I saw balance cow or balancer cow protocol. Um, could you elaborate on what this is? I, I think it's like the first time I saw it when I was looking at the website. Yeah, it's, it's a deep integration between balancer V2 and uh, cow swap. So, CowSwap um, uses Balancer as its uh, settlement layer for trades. Um, it's, it is also connected to uh, other uh, DEXs so that it can aggregate liquidity across DeFi. However, because it is 
uh, integrated more deeply with Balancer, um, what naturally happens is that it's able to provide the most efficient path for trade execution and the best pricing uh, on Balancer. So uh, Balancer benefits from this partnership by getting this um, yeah, source of, of um, trade volume and, um, uh, and CalSwap gets this uh, highly efficient like AMM infrastructure that uh, it's essentially built upon. So yeah, it's, it's, it's been a, a great um, like marriage, you could say, between two protocols that, are, um, that offer a lot of value to the space and, and both make each other better. And could you elaborate maybe um, as much as you could on the technical side on how this prote- uh, how it has um, MEV protection? Yeah, so the MEV protection that CalSwap uh, provides is through this system of um, solvers that was designed by Gnosis. And the Gnosis solvers basically batch trades together and um, look for, so, so the reason why CalSwap is named that way is because C-O-W actually stands for coincidence of wants. And so what the Gnosis solvers do on CalSwap is that they um, uh, batch orders and, and execute them sort of by matching uh, buy and sell orders that are kind of looking to swap the same tokens, but on opposite sides and then makes those trades happen like more directly so that they're uh, it's not put in the uh, mempool where it can be um, MEV uh, sandwich attack. And that saves uh, not only saves traders um, money by protecting them from MEV, but it also uh, allows them to trade gaslessly on balancer and on CalSwap. So basically, by the way, like if you make a trade on CalSwap, if you make a trade on balancer, it's the exact same thing. You're still using the same uh, system, just two different uh, interfaces. And um, a really cool feature is that you can pay gas in any token. Uh, You don't have to have ETH in your wallet to make a trade. And that's, um, yeah, a lot of users have uh, given feedback that that's very convenient for them. Yeah, that's that's the first time I've seen just pay gas in any token. Uh, I mean, that would definitely be helpful, especially if you don't have ETH. Like, say you just want to pay with a balancer for your transaction fee. I think that's really cool. Yeah, it's a great uh, UX improvement, I think, uh, where that whole, just like the whole making sure you have enough ETH in your wallet for the trade to go through, like that whole thing is kind of eliminated and the fee is just embedded into um, the amount of tokens that you are uh, getting back for your trade. So some uh, uh, piece of that will be taken out to cover fees. Hey, Jeremy, looking, looking through the website, I, I saw something that was or seemed really interesting. I was wondering if you could expand on it under the feature section around asset managers. Could you kind of touch on that new pool type? And is, is that still something that's kind of coming out soon that's on the roadmap? Or is this something that already has launched? Uh, both. So asset managers, to, to quickly explain the concept, is uh, it's a liquidity pool 
that can actually um, like rehypothecate or reallocate uh, assets that are inside the pool into other external yield generating strategies or activities. So to, to like put that in practical terms, it's a pool where you know, you're as an LP, you're you're depositing assets into that pool, and then those assets are simultaneously being deposited into Ave, and they're earning yield on both at the same time. Now, asset managers was the first iteration of this concept, and um, I think the the site will be updated soon to reflect this, but. Uh, once we started working on asset managers, and again, we is not not myself, it's the amazing engineers on our team, uh, they kind of had this breakthrough and came up with an even better implementation of the same concept, which is live, and it's called Boosted Pools. So with Boosted Pools, uh, you can do the same thing, and um, Ave has uh, partnered with us to launch the first Boosted Pool very recently, and uh, this is a pool where um, I believe it's about 90% of the assets that are actually in the balancer pool are simultaneously deposited into Ave. So when you're uh, when you're an LP in that pool on balancer, you're getting the uh, yield that the pool is generating, plus you're getting the yield that the Ave deposit is generating. So you're really boosting uh, your, your your yield potential there. And um, to explain how that works, so in any AMM, uh, there is there is a in, in a liquidity pool there is only a small percentage usually of the total amount of tokens in a pool if it's a pool that has significant liquidity that uh, there's only a small percentage that is actually being used to fulfill trades and the rest is pretty much sitting there dormantly. And um, this concept is a solution to boost capital efficiency by identifying where that threshold is and uh, having a buffer beyond that, that threshold so that the pool has what it needs to uh, stay liquid and to, to fulfill um, trade transactions as they come through. And take the excess that's technically still in the pool, but doesn't need to be fully in the pool and, and putting that elsewhere where it can uh, be more productive. So, yeah, hopefully that made sense. And Jeremy, I meant to ask <clears throat> right at the end of my other question. So since you're not technically paying gas or it's coming out of the transaction for the tokens, um, does that go back to the liquidity pool or does that go into a balanced treasury? How does, uh, where do those tokens go? The tokens that are paid to the solvers. Okay. Is that, yep. is that, yeah. So the, it goes to the solvers that the solvers take a fee. Uh, the fee covers what they will then actually pay for gas. Cause they're actually, they're basically, Solvers are basically executing the trade for you by batching these these orders together, and um, 
and and the solver uh, makes a profit for doing that. And so it covers what it's it pays for uh, for gas on your behalf plus you know a profit for the solver. Um, and that's on CalSwap's uh, side. So okay, yeah. I see. Mitch, did you have a you had a question you wanted to ask? Yeah, yeah, Jeremy, kind of taking a step, I guess, into into the future. I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on the future of liquidity protocols. And do you see them having like hundreds of hundreds of millions to to billions of liquidity um, in them at all times? Like, where do you where do you see liquidity protocols uh, moving to in the future? Yeah. Um, so generally, I think that you know, in, in my philosophy and, and our philosophy is that uh, the future of liquidity protocols is um, really bright when you think about it from the perspective of, you know, connecting liquidity to all of the applications and protocols in, in, in DeFi that need it. Um, and I think Balancer's long-term growth trajectory is really tied to how well we can uh, continue to build a thriving ecosystem of developers that um, uh, come in and, and use uh, our protocol as this uh, composable building block for what is that they're creating. Like I can give you some examples to just help solidify this. So let's say for example, that you are uh, building a game and in your game and your game contains uh, in-game assets. And so, and sometimes there are games where um, through gameplay uh, players are like converting one asset into another like uh, there could be one asset that is like easier to to gain in the game and it's like less valuable but once you gain like a certain number of that asset then you can actually um, level up into this like more rare asset for example let's say well you and 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 those are actual like you know liquid like, like for example ERC twenty um, tokens that have value on the market. So you need some sort of mechanism to facilitate that liquidity, and uh, a very elegant way to to build that is actually just by creating a balancer pool that contains those assets um, and runs on the back end of your game. So each time that those assets need to be traded for each other, the uh, the game executes that trade uh, automatically through the pool. And and balancer ba that balancer liquidity pool is like part of the design of your of your game. It's part of the like financial infrastructure of the game. Um, another example could be that. Um, like, so Ave uses Balancer in a couple of ways. Uh, one of them is the uh, boosted pools that we mentioned. Another is the, uh, uh, they have a security staking module that's built on Balancer. They have an 80-20 Ave ETH pool. So 80% Ave, 20% ETH. And 
the uh, liquidity providers of this pool can stake their uh, balancer pool tokens, BPTs, into Aave's uh, staking module. And um, at the same time, while that Aave is essentially staked, it's actually in this liquidity pool. And, and that means that stakers are simultaneously providing liquidity for the Aave token while they stake, as opposed to um, like a single-sided staking uh, solution where, you know, you'd be like, for example, in Aave's case, like telling everyone to just take their Aave and stake it and, and, and make it inactive and inaccessible. So it's more beneficial um, if you're a DeFi project to, like, you want tokens to be locked because um, you want to keep supply like limited and you want to keep people committed but at the same time and, and you want to keep them you know invested long term but at the same time you really want to make sure that you have a liquid market for your token so um the the ave security um module uh, or eighty uh, twenty pool is uh, another example of like a balancer pool acting as infrastructure within like a protocol or application and so, you know, these use cases are really uh, exploding right now, really mushrooming and growing. And um, I think the future of liquidity really lies in a protocol like Balancer that can be flexible enough to actually fulfill that demand, which is only going to grow because um, as this space grows, um, there are more developers building DeFi applications. Those DeFi applications acquire more users um, and the usage, as, as the usage of, the, of those um, applications increases, then the usage of the um, composable underlying infrastructure uh, of those applications indirectly experiences growth as well. And so that's, the, that's basically the vision for how Balancer um, is gonna really like grow exponentially over time. Yeah, I love that. I wasn't even thinking about the GameFi use cases of Balancer, but that's hey, you got my head. You got my head thinking about other possibilities. Um, obviously, you're gaining a lot of traction with, currently within the DeFi space. Um, I guess have you seen like any like obscure like use cases that are kind of out of the box that you you wouldn't expect. Um, to be like thriving within uh, the balancer ecosystem? Uh, obscure. Um, yeah, kind of like out of the box, like, you know, something that's out of the box, something that maybe people aren't currently thinking about, um, but like maybe a use case that more people should be paying attention to or, or researching. Yeah, I mean, I think it, so one use case that, we have been thinking about for a while, but I think the space is starting to open its eyes to more and more right now is um, DeFi native index funds. And uh, if, you know, I think there are a lot of teams out there that are interested in, in and working on building index fund products because it's a really easy way for investors, especially like newbie investors to um, make an investment that gives them exposure to like a whole sector or, you know, a whole 
you know, basket of tokens based that are based on a certain theme, uh, whatever it may be. So there are uh, quite a few projects that are um, collaborating with Balancer right now to build those kinds of products. And there's really no better solution, like just period for um, building an index fund in DeFi where, you know, you can create a Balancer pool that holds multiple tokens. Um, the weights of those tokens are up to the design that that pool creator, you know, wants for their index fund. Um, balancer pools can also be designed to have the ability to dynamically add and remove tokens while they're live. So um, that's something that index funds need to do where, you know, if you're like, let's say you were tracking like, like the S&P 500 index in TradFi, um, the index is always changing because the top 500 companies, it's not a static list. You know, companies fall out of the top 500, companies rise into the top 500, and the index fund manager needs to be able to add and remove those assets. So you can do that with Balancer, um, which is something that you can't do with like any other AMM liquidity pool. Plus you can have multiple, you can have a very large number of tokens which you can't do with any other AMM liquidity pool. So it's, it's really like the very, very straightforward solution. And it's the easiest way to just get that whole thing off the ground. Like anyone can literally build that pool. And then, uh, you know, as an index fund project, Balancer provides all that infrastructure, makes it super easy to deploy. And the rest is, 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 is on you where, you know, the, how you package that and, and what you call it and how you, how you promote it and how you market it. Like you, you can just not worry about, um, building all of that from the ground up, which is just like huge for developers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It kind of comes back to like the whole programmable infrastructure that we were talking that we've been talking about. It's it's super exciting. Um I know uh Jeremy, we have a lot of listeners too that are early developers or people that are are currently developing in the space. Um do you have like any recommendations where people could go to like review resources to, to start building on, on balancer. Yeah, definitely. Um, so we have pretty good docs available at, uh, docs.balancer.fi. Um, we also have like a really passionate and helpful community on our discord, um, which you can find by going to discord.balancer.fi. F-I. Um, if there's anything that, you know, you're wondering about that maybe is like, not covered in the docs or you're kind of wanting or needing more like hands-on help or someone to help answer questions. Um, we have some like really awesome community members um, who are basically there and, and, and love helping. Um, so would highly recommend, yeah, joining our discord server. Um, I think that the more that we can, kind of get more like tutorials out there and content out there for developers, the better. That's something that we have been talking about and working on and um, it's a priority for us. So uh, we definitely are going to be like providing more content to help developers, especially like new developers, like get their feet wet, get off the ground because um, we really want to support you guys. I love it, man. Uh Chase, super, 
Do you guys have any other any other questions for Jeremy? No, I just wanted to say thank you for taking the time out of your day to come talk to us. Sure. Um, yeah, pleasure. Plus, uh, plus one of that. Um, Jeremy, sometimes near the end of these spaces, we allow like guests to come up. Cool if we maybe uh, have one or two people come up if if they're looking to, to ask a question. Yeah, I have uh, just a couple minutes. Um, yeah, so maybe one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's tight. Uh, if anyone in the audience wants to ask a question, hit that request. We'll get we'll, we'll have you guys up. Jeremy only has two minutes, so we'll try to make it brief. If if he has to run, we'll just give it a couple seconds here. See if anyone's anyone's down. Uh, but second, second, everything that Chase and Super said, we just appreciate you coming out, taking your time to come on on the base space, and it was a pleasure meeting you at Eat Denver. And I hope we get to cross paths again, man. Are you going to any any other events in the near future? Yeah, I'm uh, speaking at the Harvard Blockchain Conference at the end of this month, and then I'll be at. Um, What's it called? Dev Connect in Amsterdam. Oh, that's dope. <laughs> I'm kind of jealous. <laughs> All right, man. We'll, we'll let you go. Uh, appreciate you coming out. And uh, yeah, let's stay in touch, man. Everyone, everyone stay based. Stay based. Thank you again, Jeremy. Thanks, guys. Stay based always. Hey, let's go. Peace. Base to space.